you're looking through the binoculars and you're you're uh, making that that focus in until you can see the completion of it. Well, that word means completion. It means final. It means accomplished. It means that all the necessary requirements have been fulfilled. All the necessary requirements have been fulfilled. And so you get this image of Jesus who's on the cross and he makes this statement, it has been fulfilled or completed, finished, done, it's done. And this this moment shakes history because if you remember, there's even an earthquake, the earth shook rocks split in fact historians even talked and wrote about rocks actually splitting actually uh coming apart huge earthquakes the dead rose from the grave and and walked in many cases and so this was not just a a death on a cross that that many criminals suffered this death was very different and he said it is finished it i have fulfilled the purpose i have accomplished it it has been done it is perfected it is perfected so when we when we think of that word it is perfected it is completed. I want you to go back to the thought of a scripture. Turn back with me to Isaiah because throughout, throughout this whole message, as I talk about this word finished, I want this to come to mind. The, the uh, scripture from Isaiah 61. Because Jesus even himself, when he was in the temple, he opened the scrolls. And he focused in on this particular passage of scripture. And he read this before the people. And they knew and could tell the authority that came from him. They, they could feel the presence. They could feel something was different. This was not just a teacher reading uh, a passage of, of the scrolls. But they felt something different. And this is what he said in Isaiah 61 verse 1. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That was the passage that he read. I'm here to proclaim liberty. This day has come upon you. This day has, has come right in front of you. It's the day when the lame shall walk, the blind shall see, the captive will be set free, the bound will be loosed, and, and will have their freedom. And in fact, if you go, go ahead and turn back to Isaiah 53. And let's look at this passage as well, because this was another passage that was prophesied about the Lamb of God, the servant of God, come to do a mission, come to do a task. And what was that task? What was it he was saying when he said it was finished? What was it he was meaning when he said it is finished? Well, here's another piece of it. 53, verse 4 says, surely he has borne our griefs. Now, I just want to translate some of these things for you because sometimes we, we read griefs like, well, griefs as in 
you know, I'm grieving the loss of something. But actually, if you look at this word, it actually means sickness, disease, illness, affliction. So even if you jot that down in parentheses in, in your Bible, it's a good reminder that in the original Hebrew word, it means sickness, disease, illness, affliction. So what did he do? He bore our sickness, disease, our illness, our affliction. He bore that. This was being prophesied. This was his mission. This was his job that he come to do. And the next part says he carried our sorrows. Our sorrows are our physical and mental pain, anguish, physical and mental anguish. He carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And he was wounded for our transgressions. Well, that's a word we don't use too much anymore. You know, the, that, well, my, my children are transgressing today. We don't say that, right? But what it means is they're rebellious acts. The rebellious act that they rebelled. We all have rebelled against God at some point. That's why we need salvation. That's why we need to come to repentance. So the rebellious acts that we, uh, that we have committed, God sent Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions, for our rebellious acts. So he was punished for our rebellious acts. And he was bruised for our iniquities, our iniquities. And our iniquities is the guilt, the punishment, the consequences that should have fell on us because of our rebellion. It came upon him. He was bruised because of our iniquities. He took the punishment. He took the consequence. He took everything that we deserved, and it was placed upon him. The chastisement or the correction, the discipline for our peace was upon him. So how many of you know that we live in peace when we live in a righteous way, when we walk in, in a righteous path, in the principles of God? It brings peace in our life. Well, if we rebel, if we go off of that, then there's not peace in our life. Well, that correction, that discipline was placed on his body. That, that correction he took. And it says that peace that we have, we can now have it through Jesus Christ. And then it goes on and says, and by his stripes, we are healed. We are made whole. We are made new by the great physician. So all of these things he took upon his body. And when he was on the cross and he said, it is finished. He was saying, my mission has been completed. Everything that was asked of me to do, I have done. And even when we look at this word, it carries a lot of different meanings in the original version of it. And I want to go through six things today. Six different ways that this word was used biblically as a, as a means of expressing what finished or done, completed, meant. So let's go through those this morning. If you're taking notes this morning, this is what, this is what it is finished means in the biblical terms. First, let's talk about the spiritual terms. The, in a spiritual term, number one, in a spiritual term. If you know about the history and the understanding of the tabernacle. 
when, when the Israelites were in the wilderness and God set up a, a tabernacle for them so that God could dwell with them, be among them. And, and you walked, only the high priest could, could enter into the tabernacle. There was a courtyard where sacrifices were made, but one time a year there was a special sacrifice that was made, and it was called the atonement sacrifice. This atonement sacrifice was, had to be a pure, spotless lamb. And the blood of this lamb had to be taken into the tabernacle, into the holy place, into the holy of holies, which was the inner, inner room, not just the holy place. That's one room. But then there's another veil that you had to go through, and that was the holy of holies, and that's where the presence of God was. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was, if you ever watched uh, Indiana Jones in the, in the Temple of Doom and, and the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, there's really an Ark of the Covenant that was present, and that is where the presence of God actually resided, was on the mercy seat, on the lid of this Ark of the Covenant. And so the high priest, one time a year, would take the blood of that sacrifice and go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it and place it upon the mercy seat. Why did he do that? It was to atone or to cover the sins of the people. Now, it didn't wash it away, but it covered it like a rug covers a stain. We recently had a, a coffee spill at my house on the rug, and I could not get the stain out. So I had to take the rug and, and turn it completely around and lift the couch up and put the rug underneath the couch so that portion of that really bad stain is hidden under the couch. So that couch is covering that stain right now as we speak. No, it, 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 was, it was me and Pastor Brad. I set it there, and, and he kicked the ottoman, and there it went, and it was a brand-new hot cup of coffee, brand-new, completely full, and it, it went... And <laughs> so that stain is hidden under my couch. Well, that's kind of like how it is with the, the blood of a lamb. It covers, but it does not wipe away. It does not wash us clean. So once a year, this had to be redone again and again and again and again. And the high priest would go in, and he would, he would sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat, and he would come out, and he would say, it is finished. It is finished. And so it was done for another year. It was completed for another year. So spiritually, this was done in the tabernacle, in the presence of God, once a year for that atonement. So that assignment, Jesus was saying, it is finished. I am the final blood that needs to be shed. I am the perfect sacrifice. I am the one that brings complete restoration. You need no other blood. You need no other sacrifice. It is done. It's completed. And he took his blood into the courtroom of heaven and put it upon the, the mercy seat of heaven. And it is done and it is finished. He is our high priest. There doesn't need to be another high priest. So when he said it was finished, he was meaning, number one, in spiritual terms, that part is finished. He is now the high priest, and he, his blood covers all. It doesn't need to be done again. There is no, there, in fact, it can't be. There's nothing more perfect than the blood of Jesus Christ. His is a perfect blood. And so in, in that terms, it is done. It is finished. It is complete. There is restoration. There's restoration. In the second one, it was this word, it is finished, was used in terms of work. 
like in the work world, right? And whenever it was used, it was, it was meant like a servant or an employee goes and tells the master or their boss, I completed what you sent me to do. You gave me that job to do, and I went and I did it, and now I'm coming back and I'm reporting to you that it's finished, it's done. So we can move on to the next thing now. It is finished. It is completed. That job is done. Now the thing is, what happens many times is the enemy tries to come in and tell you that it's not done or it's not good enough or you have to do something in order to receive this, the, the, the benefits of this being done. But how can you better what God did? How can you better the blood of Jesus Christ? How can you better what he did for you? So the enemy tries to come in and deceive us in our thinking and our philosophy, in the way that we think. And he tries to tell us lies, that it's not good enough. You have to do this, this, and this in order to be healed. You have to, you have to uh, go to church so many times. You have to do this, this, and this in order to receive your inheritance from the scripture or in order for your children to come back to God or in order for everything to be lined up in your life for you to receive peace, for you to receive joy, whatever it may be. You have to complete these things in order to receive the healing or the the freedom or the joy in Christ. But we know that's not true. So don't let the enemy deceive you. Say, I won't be deceived. So if an employee goes out and finishes a job, does he need to go out and do it again? It's done. It's complete. It's finished. He doesn't say, you know what? I did it and I did it perfect. I did it well, but you know what? I think I'm just going to go back out, mess it all up and do it again. I'm just going to, you know, I just, yeah, it was perfect. I did everything. I went above and beyond, but I'm just going to go out there and redo it. If, an, if, a, if you're starting a business and you're putting up a website and designing a website and you got it all designed and it's ready to go and it's perfect, the next day, are you going to start the process over all over again and do it again? No. It's done. It's completed. The job is finished. You move on to the next thing. So a servant to the master, he says, it's done, Father. What you've asked me to do, I've done. And it's completed. Number three. Number three. In the business sense or in the business world. So the, the first one was in reference to spiritually. The second one was in uh, this word finished was used in the reference to uh, work or a job. And the third one in the business world or economically, if someone owed a debt and then they came and they paid that debt off, then they would take that parchment that said that so-and-so owes this much to this person and it needs to be paid by such and such date. They would stamp that when you paid it, they would stamp it paid in full, paid in full, which was it is finished. The, the actual Greek word, tetelestai, tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full. The debt has been released. There's no more to pay. There's no more to pay. Paid in full, it's completed. The debt is satisfied. In fact, 
the Bible talks about how the wrath of God was satisfied with the blood of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we've all rebelled, but his wrath is turned away at the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are under his blood. If we've received Jesus Christ and we call him Lord of our life, then we are under his blood and his blood is stamped on us, paid in full. Paid in full. The debt is paid and the, the wrath has been satisfied. There's no longer a wrath. There's no longer a, a, a disconnect. In fact, there's a restoration in the relationship. There's no more debt owed. You know, sometimes the enemy tries to, to mess with us in our prayer life too. Oh, you know, you need to, to, to do so many good things before you can get into the, the good graces of God or before you enter into his presence or before you come back to him. And, and he'll mess with our minds. But you know what? It's Jesus' blood that covered that. He receives us back just as we were, and then he works with us and cleans us up. But he's not asking you to have everything cleaned up and to, to get all of these things in order before you come to him. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come learn of me. Come learn of me. Learn my ways. And then take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he says, learn of me and, and do what I do. But there's no divide. There's nothing. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Nothing. So he tells us to come into his throne room. How? Boldly. Boldly and with confidence. That means with nothing between us. I come in, I can, I can boldly come in and, and sit down with the Father and talk with him. I don't need to come in crawling on the floor feeling like a humble worm. Even though Without Christ, that's all what we deserve, right? But in Christ, God sees Christ's blood on you. You are stamped with the blood of Christ in the Holy Spirit. So he receives you that way, not in yourself, but in Christ. That's how he receives you. Hallelujah. Number four, in the court system, in the court system, when, it, when a judgment or a sentence had been served, it is finished. It is finished. That same word, it is finished. Your sentence has been completed. The judgment that stood against you is no longer standing against you. It's been canceled, wiped out. Your record is clean. You have nothing against you any longer. It is finished. It is finished. Number five, in the military world, when the battle was won and the battle was completed, they would come back and say, it's finished. The battle has fully been won. In fact, it's not going to go on any longer. We're not going to meet back up again tomorrow. We're not camping out on, on the edge of, of, of the border and getting ready to attack again. No, it is finished. It's done. The victory has been won. 
He won the victory. And when we operate according to that mindset, then we're not out there trying to struggle. You know, many people are in spiritual warfare way too much because they don't have a revelation of the victory of Christ in their life. And so they're warring and warring and warring, and they're constantly in battle. But if they would understand the victory they have in Christ and who they are in him, they wouldn't be warring so much because they would stand in the victory. They would stand in the joy, knowing that the enemy has already been defeated. In fact, they would just proclaim his declarations over the situation over their life and then walk in peace and walk in rest, knowing that it's coming, knowing it's mine. It's my inheritance. It's my, it's, it's the actual deed. That's what faith is, is the deed, the ownership of the inheritance of what he possessed for you. So you walk with that deed in hand. How many own a house in here? Okay, so those that own a home, that deed to your home, do you go home every day and recheck to make sure that deed's still in the filing cabinet? No. Because you're, you're not afraid that it's just somehow slipping out the door because, you know, just some reason, you know, I, oh, I got to check that again. I'm, I'm worried that it's not there again. I'm worried that that thing, you know, s- somebody came in and got it. It's already been recorded as yours. You're not worrying whether or not your neighbor is is coming over and taking over or whether somebody's slipping in. That deed, that home is yours. Our inheritance in Christ is ours through Christ. So we should walk with the confidence that everything he purchased for us, it's mine. It's mine. Just because it may not be manifested right now, but it's coming. And I walk as though it's coming and I walk as though I have it now in my hand. That's how you manifest the things of the spiritual into the natural. The battle has been won. In fact, 1 John 3, 8 says the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the works of the enemy, to destroy the works of the devil. It's been done. He was made manifest. What's that mean? He came to earth to do what? To destroy the works of the enemy. It's been done. He's not on earth right now. He's not going to be on earth until he comes back to to reign a second time. But that's going to be another phase, another time. That's not now. So right now we walk in the authority that God has given us because he has already won the battle. And the last one, number six, When we're talking about it is done or it is finished, we're talking about a measurement or a phase. A measurement or a phase. So some people in here might play video games. And when you play video games, and I've witnessed this from my son, you know, and it's like so intense and, you know, you're battling and and then you win this level and you're like, yes, going to the next level. I've won that level. And it's like you don't have to keep going back to that level and rebattling and rebattling. It's like you've completed and you move on to the next level. Well, that's, that's another way that it was used. Like you're moving on to the next stage. You move into a higher level. You move on to the next phase. Well, what is that phase? It's victory in Christ. We're no longer in the, if you look at the Old Testament, they couldn't, 
operate the way that we operate now with the blood of Jesus. In fact, that's why everybody, when Jesus walked the earth, they were amazed. Who is this that raises the dead? Who is this that heals the sick? Who is this that, that, that causes the blind eyes to come open? Because that's not what they were doing in the Old Testament. You had once in a while where, where the Spirit of God would come upon a king or a priest or a prophet to do a specific task, task or a specific thing. But it wasn't like men and women of God were just constantly walking around healing people and doing mighty miracles. And if it was, it was a, a man or a woman at that time that helped lead the people. But it wasn't like a whole nation of people were doing this. That's what we have now. God has poured out the blood of his son and his Holy Spirit so that the whole church can walk in this now. Everybody. Every Christian has access to this. So when he says, you're moving on to another level, I know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are included in the New Testament, but technically, the new covenant doesn't start until Acts. We, we include it because Jesus comes onto the scene, and then that's when everything shifts and changes. But it wasn't until his death and resurrection and the Holy Spirit was poured out then things change, and we're under a new covenant, a new covenant. That means a new will and testament. When someone dies and they leave a will, that's, that's what it's talking about, a new covenant, a new will that's been given to us. We're not in the old anymore. We're in the new. We can learn a lot from the old, but the Bible says that we're under a better covenant with better promises. Turn to Hebrews. Let's finish up uh, with Hebrews uh, chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 1 through 6. It says, now this is the main point of the things that we are saying. We have such a high priest, and of course we covered that, that's Jesus, who is, sit, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. That's good. Gifts and sacrifices. He was the sacrifice. But you know what? All these other things that he gives us are gifts. The gifts and sacrifices. He was the sacrifice that was offered. But it says that he's appointed to offer gifts. Yes, he offers. There are gifts that are offered to God. But there are gifts that are given to the church and to the body of Christ. This is the role that he takes as high priest. And then it goes on and says, therefore, it is necessary that this one, Jesus, also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. 
But now, say, but now, he has obtained a more excellent ministry. That means Jesus has obtained a more excellent, which means it surpasses the ministry that he did on earth. That was a great ministry. Don't you agree? Everything that he did on earth was an amazing ministry. But it says this ministry that he does now is surpassing. It's more excellent than the ministry done on earth. Wow. In so much as he is also, so he's not just high priest, but he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. He's the mediator between us and God. That means, you know, you've heard Pastor Brad say it a lot, that there's no one that can come to the Father except through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the mediator. He is the, he's the go-between. What is he doing? He's mediating between God and the covenant and us. So God's covenant and it stands strong, and he is always faithful, and he is never going to go back on his covenant. His word is true, and he stands. And as long as, he, as long as we receive Jesus Christ and we say yes to him, that he is my Lord, and I receive what he's, he's done for me, then we're part of that covenant. And Jesus mediates for that covenant to enact or to make sure that it's enacted upon. That's what a mediator does. He goes between the two parties to make sure everything in the covenant is carried out. So it's being carried out. So you stand with the assurity of knowing that the covenant that God placed and gave us, everything that he said, it is done, it is finished. I took, I took upon the griefs, the sorrows, the sickness, the afflictions, the illnesses. I took everything. I took the, the, the hopelessness. I took the, the restlessness. I took the depression. I took all the worry and the anxiety. I'm giving you a, a garment of praise instead of a, a spirit of heaviness. So you can cast off the heaviness and take on the garment of praise. Just like this morning, did you feel the free? Freedom in this place as people praise. As you praise, you're casting off the spirit of heaviness and you're, you're taking on and putting on a garment of praise and it brings joy. And as soon as joy hits, you know what else happens? It clears your vision. It's like all the fogginess, all the junk, it begins to dispel because God can't work in a place uh, of, of depression. God can't work in a place of hopelessness because you have to operate in faith. And when there's faith, then you see his word come to pass in, his, in your life. So as long as someone is in a place, you know, I used to tell my kids, Minister, can you go ahead and come to the keyboard? I used to tell my kids when they would uh, get frustrated with schooling, I'd take a break and say, okay, let's, let's take a break for a little bit because I knew... Uh, if they hit a math problem and they were getting frustrated and, and it, all of a sudden they were getting tense, I knew they would never get to the answer. They, they would never, it would never be that aha moment. Because when you're frustrated, there's things that are actually scientifically locked up in the brain that does not release a clarity and the function of being able to understand and see with clearness. But when we move into a place of peace and joy, 
It's like we can receive the answers of God. We can begin to receive through the downloads of heaven. In fact, when Aaron lost his sons because they offered up strange fire before the Lord, you know what God told him? He said, you do not mourn in my presence. He said, you're not going to grieve for them because they were, they were actually acting out in wickedness and in their own, their own way. They were not following the way of God. And he said, don't mourn in my presence. In my presence is fullness of joy. So for us to receive the things of God from heaven, there has to be a trust. There has to be a faith. There has to be a joy. There has to be a belief that these things are mine before we can begin to receive. But I'm here to tell you today that it is finished. It is finished. Jesus did it on the cross. And when he cried that, that cry, it is finished. There was a completion that happened. And his blood covered everything that needed to be covered. The stripes that were taken on his back, the wounds, the beatings, the bruising, everything. It brought a completion to everything that we needed in order to receive restoration in our life. Praise God. We are restored back to our Heavenly Father. In fact, even that veil was torn in that moment. The very moment, if you can imagine, He's being crucified on the cross. And in that moment when he says it's finished, you know what else was also going on? Because he was the Passover lamb. The high priest was in the temple of God performing all of the rituals that had been required in the Old Testament. They were doing the sacrifice and everything that needed to be required for the Passover. And in that moment, he became the Passover lamb. And that veil was torn, that veil that separated the presence of God from the people. That veil was torn, and now we can go into his presence. And in his presence is everything we need. It is done. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. done we're going to be taking communion here in a few minutes it's the we set aside the first uh, Sunday of every month to take communion and to remember this covenant that has been purchased for us and we take open communion here that means you don't have to be a member of of a church you are part of the body of Christ if you've received him as your Lord and Savior but before we do that, I want to make sure that every person in this place has had the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because in actuality, if you're taking that and you haven't received him, then that blood or that, that sign that we take, that, that tradition that we do in order to remember what he has done, it actually stands in judgment. But if we are in the body of Christ or we are in his blood, then it brings us freedom. 
the very thing that brings us freedom can bring a curse on mankind if if someone's in rebellion against him for us it's a good thing and we celebrate it and we're so thankful and it's a time that we remember the covenant that we have but for someone that's outside of the covenant that's that's not a good thing because it stands in judgment of what they're doing but when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, then that blood that was purchased sets you free and there's no longer any sin that stands against you. There is no judgment against you. Like I said, it is finished, it's done, it's completed. And everything is wiped away, washed away, not just covered. Not just covered like a rug, but washed away completely, white as snow. So if everybody just bow their heads this morning and just take a moment. And I want you to just ask yourself, have I done, have I made that decision before? Have I made the decision to follow Christ? Have I asked him to be the Lord of my life? Have I asked him to be part of my life, to lead me, to guide me, to follow him in all of my ways? Or maybe you've, strayed from that maybe there's been a time when you you did ask him maybe you were a child but but from that point you've strayed and you've gone your own way and you know that you're not where you need to be and if that's you today and you need to take that moment to ask Jesus into your life and into your heart then I want to say a prayer with you this morning I want to be able to pray with you and lead you right back to where Jesus is waiting, waiting on you, waiting on that moment to reconnect with you, to wash everything away. There's nothing standing against you any longer. If that's you this morning, if you'll just raise your hand, raise your hand and let me see that hand so that I can pray with you this morning. Anybody in here this morning, I need to ask Jesus into my heart. Anybody need to reconnect with him this morning? I need to come back to my Lord and Savior. Okay. All right. You can go ahead and, and look up. What we're going to do this morning is uh, just to help with uh, organization. We're going to, because um, it's kind of a smaller room, just go around the back. Um, in fact, let's just do it in sections. We're pretty full this morning. Why don't we start with this section here? If you just go to your right and then uh, grab uh, the juice and the bread and then circle right back around to be seated. And then when they're done, this section here can go. And on down the line.
the blood that gives me strength from death. 